It is good to see all of you with us. We're glad that you're here. And we especially want to thank our visitors for being with us. And we hope that you'll come back. We, we enjoyed you coming once a year to be with us. But we'd love to have you back anytime you have the opportunity. And especially if you're looking for a place of regular worship. We hope that you would consider us. Our lesson for this morning is entitled, Make Me a Servant. And some of you may know the song that goes along with the lesson. Uh, but there's a devotional song that says, Make me a servant. Make me like you. And unfortunately, it's not in our songbook, otherwise we would sing it today. But we certainly, as Christians, are told to be servants. We are taught in Scripture that we need to be servants. Jesus taught His disciples to be servants. Jesus Himself was a servant, even though He was a king. And this lesson is going to follow along with one of the phrases in that song, one of the main phrases. And we're going to look at, at how we are to be servants, and how God wants us and has taught us to be servants. And we're going to also look at how we need to be servants like Christ and follow His example. Make me a servant. And for those of you that are visiting, in your bulletin you'll find uh, sermon notes. And these will follow along with the sermon today and there are some blanks to fill in if you would like to follow along in that way. But make me a servant. What is a servant? In looking up a, a definition for servant, this is what I found. A person who performs duties for others, especially a person employed in a house on domestic duties or as a personal attendant. Mainly, what we're looking at is the first part of that definition, a person who performs duties for others. You know, there are certain things that we do for other people, things that we need to do for other people. And as servants, as Christians, that's part of our mission. There are some other terms that go along with that of servant, such as minister, you know, often we refer to someone who is in the pulpit, such as myself, as a minister. But anyone who is a Christian is also to be a minister, a servant. And that's all a minister really is, is someone who serves the congregation. Uh, looking at myself and my own duties, I serve the congregation uh, in presenting the sermons each Sunday. And I serve in other ways. I, I usually spend time around the church building or trying to visit. And that's part of serving the congregation. If someone needs to talk to me, I try to make myself available to them. That's what a servant does. And so a minister is basically no more than a servant. A steward. You know, we are to be good stewards as Christians. And even slaves, the term that we don't normally use in our day-to-day -day speaking. But when we look at a slave, it's not someone necessarily that um, is a slave like we looked at you know, maybe 50, 60 years ago. 
uh, or even back going back to the Civil War, that time period. But a slave. You know, we are to be a slave in some ways. We are servants of Christ. And so that word would also be used. I also think of laborer as a term for servant. Someone who labors in God's vineyard, so to speak. But when we look at all of these terms, we see that they imply servanthood. They imply service to other people. And those are terms that should define us even today. We are taught as servants. When we look at the Bible, when we look at the New Testament, we see that we are taught as servants. As a matter of fact, a good number of the parables that we have involve the word servant. And if they don't involve the word servant, they will involve something similar to that word. I want to look at a few of those parables that are given. One of them is the unforgiving servant. It's found in Matthew chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, you may turn there and follow along. Uh, there are Bibles under the pews as well if you would like to use those. But in Matthew chapter 18, beginning with verse 21 and reading through verse 20, or 35, we see the parable of the unforgiving servant. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not. But went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you 
if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Another parable that we find that involves the word servant is that of the unprofitable servant. In Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Matthew 25 and verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more all, er, talents besides them. Verse 21, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered me to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 24, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We're given the parable of the faithful servant in Luke 12, verses 35 through 40. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. 
But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Jesus told his apostles, Let the greatest among you be the least among you. In Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We are taught to be servants. In these parables and illustrations, we are taught to be forgiving of one another. When someone owes you something, forgive them. When someone has done something wrong against you, forgive them. And in that way, we are of service to them. When we forgive them, we are presenting a service to them by doing so. We are to be forgiven. We are to be profitable. And many of us have talents and different things that we are able to do. Maybe some more than others. We are to use those things to God's glory. We are to use our abilities to win souls to Christ and to serve others. We are to be faithful and watchful. Always ready because we don't know when Jesus is coming. We don't know when He will return for us. It could be any day. Uh, We're not even promised that we'll leave this building even now. But even so, as Christians, we are faithful and we are watchful for His coming. Always ready. And in that way, we serve Him. We are to be humble. Even in desiring to be great, we desire to be humble. We desire to serve other people. And we desire to serve God. We especially humble ourselves before Him. Knowing that we are not worthy of anything that God has given us. But even so, we are thankful for what He has given. Jesus also exhorts us to follow Him as servants. John 12 verses 25 and 26 He who loves his life will lose it 
And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. In addition to serving God, we are also taught to serve others as well. Galatians 5 and verses 13 through 15. Galatians 5 beginning with verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And in loving, we are serving them. Verse 15, But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. There's not enough love in the world today. We as Christians, we see other people, we see our brothers and sisters, we are to love them. We are to treat them as if we love them. Yes, the Bible teaches us to be servants. And how are we to be servants? We are to be servants as Christ was a servant. Our desire and prayer should be that we serve as Jesus served. Jesus was even spoken of as a servant in Scripture. Even going back to the Old Testament, we see prophecy that is given regarding Jesus as a servant. Isaiah 42, beginning with verse 1, says, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail, nor be discouraged, till he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands shall wait for his law. See, Jesus was spoken of as a servant. Especially in regard to how he lived and in how he died. We see that Jesus was a servant. He came to be a servant. And he was a servant in action. You see, he taught his apostles the meaning of servitude by his own example. Turn to John chapter 13. And in John chapter 13, we read this in verses 1 through 17. John 13 verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, 
that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now. But you will know after this. Verse 8, Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He was bathed, needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. Verse 12, So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. No matter what kind of authority anyone holds over you, no matter how much you look up to them, we are all on one level. We are all the same in respect that we are to be servants. Even Jesus being the Son of God, He came not to be served by other people. There were many people that they thought that when Jesus came that He would come in glory and, and splendor. They would come as the King that they thought He should be. But he didn't come in a way that it was expected because he came in the form of a serpent, of a servant. He came in the form of a servant. Jesus performed the ultimate act of service to us. Go back to Matthew 20 and remember what is said in verse 28. 
just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. Jesus came in a very humble way. He was born into a humble family. He was born in a humble place, a lowly stable. He was laid in a manger in a very humble way. Don't see king in those acts. Anyone seeing them in person, they would not see this and, and think this to be the birth of a king. And Jesus, whenever He lived, he, he didn't live as a king. He didn't come and say, I'm the Son of God, serve me. No, He didn't do that. So as He lived, He went about serving other people, teaching other people. His apostles looked up to Him as a teacher and as their Lord. But even so, He told them that He was a servant. He served them so that they would understand what they needed to do before other people. And even in living, we see that He also died. He gave His life for many. For many who would accept what He had said and do what He said to do. Many that were willing to become servants. To follow Him. In Matthew 5 verses 6 through 11 it says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came to, to perform the ultimate act of service on our behalf. You see, we cannot take our own sins away. And knowing that, Jesus came to die for us. Verse 9, much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation. We are reconciled to God. We are able to come to God because Jesus shed His blood for us. Because He died for us. Jesus didn't expect us to understand service by words only. 
but he gave us his example to follow. It is through his service. It is through the service of Christ that we understand the type of servants that God wants us to be. Through his birth. Through his life and teaching. And through his death on the cross. He teaches us what it means to be a servant. If not for the service of Christ, all hope of eternity with God would be lost. Make me a servant. Make me like you. That's a prayer. That we should pray daily. It's a prayer that we should, should try to put into action. We should desire to be servants. As Christ served us. Are you serving God? Are you serving Christ? Are you the servant as a, a Christian that you need to be. Is your prayer make me a servant. Make me like you. I don't know where you stand. One thing about being a preacher we don't understand the heart of the individuals that are in attendance. And I don't know your heart. I don't know your relationship with Christ. I don't know if you're faithful or not. But I do know what we're told in scriptures. I know what we're taught that we need to do to be saved. If you're not a Christian, then I encourage you to give your life to Him. We do so through obedience. So we realize there are many examples in Scripture. I think of Noah and Moses and Abraham and so many others that we read of in the Old Testament, even those that we read of in the New Testament. We read of the apostles. We read of certain individuals such as Peter and Paul. And I look at all these individuals and one of the things that they all have in common, and no matter what dispensation they were in, whether it be the Old Testament or the New Testament, there was always faith involved. They had to believe God. They had to believe what He told them. But belief alone Faith alone never saved anyone because obedience was always required. In the case of, of Noah, he was required to build an ark. It wasn't belief alone that saved him, but he was required to do something. If he had not built the ark, he and his family would have perished in the flood. Uh, when I look at, at, at people such as Abraham, had he not left his home? like God told him to do. 
His faith wouldn't have saved him. It wouldn't have done anything for him. Peter taught the people on the day of Pentecost what they needed to do to be saved. He didn't teach them to believe. See, Peter, on that day of Pentecost, in Acts 2, whenever he concluded his sermon and they asked him the question, what must we do to be saved? He said, Acts 2, verse 38, repent. They needed to repent of their sins. They had confessed that they believed and that's part of it. But they needed to repent of their sins. They needed to turn their life around. They needed to do something different than what they had been doing. And so he taught them, repent. And let every one of you be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. They needed to be baptized. And as I look at that chapter and as I look at what Peter taught those people, I believe that, that if they hadn't repented, if they hadn't been baptized, then the remission of sins would never have come into play. It simply says that. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized. We're told in 1 Peter chapter 3 that, that it is through baptism that we are saved. Just as Noah and his family were saved through the flood, what were they saved from? They were saved from a wicked generation of people that could have corrupted them and changed their hearts. And yet, they were told to build the ark. And, and in building the ark, they were saved through that flood. And so we are saved through the water of baptism. If you've not done those things, if you've not believed, if you've not obeyed in confession and repentance and baptism, and you're not a faithful child of God. And if you need to do those things, you can. Maybe it is that you need to come in repentance. Maybe you've become a Christian. You know, living a Christian life is not an easy thing. And it may be that someone here needs to repent. You need to come back and rededicate your life to Christ. And maybe it's something that you realize you cannot do on your own, but you need help from other Christians from your brothers and sisters maybe you need prayer maybe you need to ask for forgiveness but whatever your need is if you're not a faithful child of God if you're outside of Christ today if, if you realize that and if you were to face God today if you realize that in facing Him, you could not do so with a clear conscience. And in full belief of what you need to do, and in full belief that you have done those things that you need to do, if you're not sure of your salvation, 
And we offer the invitation for you. So if there's something that we can do to serve you, to help you become a better Christian, a better servant, there's, there's something that we can do to help you to be what you need to be. And we give you the opportunity as together we stand, as we sing. Thank you.